podcast listeners welcome back to our show thanks for joining us today we have another repeat guest from our very first podcast guest that we had on the show jeremy worden welcome back for our listeners i'm sure a lot of you know who jeremy is if you don't check him out on social media we have been uh longtime friends in the airbnb space but it's been a minute since we've had some time to catch up with him so um that's what we're gonna do today talk all things airbnb But as always, we start each episode with a podcast horror story, and um, Jeremy's today has like a little horror era to it, I suppose. So Jeremy, I'll let you uh, tell your story. Yeah, so, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, we're in the midst of hurricane season, and um, we bought two Florida properties this past winter, and definitely, you know, when you buy in Florida, it's kind of at the back of your mind, hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. Uh, however, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, there really hasn't been a bad one, uh, or at least, you know, one to the extent of what there was a couple of weeks ago. So we had a first hurricane, uh, and it was the first summer we got the property and, uh, our property is in Southeast Florida versus Southwest Florida, uh, which, you know, thoughts and prayers with, you know, everyone in, in Fort Myers and in Sanibel and in those areas that were really devastated. Uh, but, but, you know, we definitely wanted to prepare on our end, uh, and, you know, make sure that we had our houses hurricane proof. Uh, I didn't even really know what that meant. I mean, shutters were like a word to me and I physically know what they look like, but as for actually getting them on the house, that was something that we haven't done and turned out we didn't have the right equipment to actually put our shutters up. Um, it was raining a lot. So we had to continually drain our pool, had to sandbag. Uh, some of the doors, you know, so water couldn't get in. There was tornadoes uh, 10 minutes away from the property that were flipping cars and stuff. So uh, really, it was just kind of stressful preparing. And, and actually, we we had guests during the hurricane. I don't know if that's the best practice <laughs> to do that. But, uh, you know, we all of a sudden, there's a deluge of people, you know, are reaching out who are coming from southwest Florida, looking for evacuations. And honestly, kind of on like a you know, we didn't we didn't do any predatory predatory pricing or anything. We just we kept the price, which was you know very low because this time of year is Florida's lowest pricing, and and we we sheltered people who uh, were from Fort Myers or from Tampa area, and uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, we we had to prepare a lot on our end uh, to make sure the houses were okay, and and they were. Uh, we didn't have any issues. It was kind of definitely very you know sad um, when when you know the guests left. Uh, they called me just to like thank me for you know providing shelter, uh, how like you know helpful and important it was for them, uh, given you know they were going through a lot, and you know when I'm saying hey like uh, you know is everything okay with you know your property and uh, they said yeah we don't even know if it's there anymore, when they were leaving, they they said yeah we none of we haven't been able to talk to our neighbors, so we actually don't know if we're gonna return and and our house is gonna be there. Uh, to which, uh, you know, obviously that's devastating, but, uh, the guest said, yeah, this, you know, this happened in in Florida, Hurricane Andrew 15 years ago. And, uh, he works for, you know, he's, uh, works for his church or or is a volunteer. And he said it was terrible. You know, everybody was terrible experience. However, it brought everybody closer, uh, to, to the church and everybody came together. And, you know, that's the only thing he can think of that's going to get him through, you know, this, this experience is, how he knows, like, you know, everybody can come together uh, and, you know, find find God uh, at a time like that. So that was really moving. 
uh to hear that obviously very sad too you know just the, the notion to me because really i'm thinking about like all right let's protect our houses you know i'm calling the guests like hey we have to sandbag the doors like i don't even really know what that means but like don't open the door because it's sandbagged so i'm thinking about our houses and then you know he's telling me yeah he doesn't even know if his house is there anymore it's just it's just like crazy uh but yeah the house you know the storm went back into the ocean regained strength then hit north carolina uh, which is where we have a bulk of our properties and uh, the storm got wider. So it literally, you know, our properties, we cover like four different, five different markets in North Carolina that are hundreds of miles apart from one another. And the storm literally hit every property um, some way or another. I mean, it wasn't the hundred plus mile per hour winds or flooding, but you know, these are very heavily treed areas and 40 mile per hour winds knocks power out everywhere. I mean, we had a tree fall down in one of our, in one of our driveways. Uh, we had a tree blocking a neighborhood, like guests getting in and out of a neighborhood. Uh, power was out at almost every property for, you know, two, two, three days. Uh, so really, yeah, I was just trying to, you know, just kind of like that week was, just communicating with every guest, making sure they had what they needed to literally survive. I mean, they didn't have power, you know, they didn't have water. So trying to like, you know, I fiz I, I flew back to North Carolina. I happened to be going to a wedding, but I, I literally, like I went by the houses, dropped off water. Uh, it just happened to be that I was there, like, you know, because I was going to weddings, but really just tried to do everything we could to make everyone stays, you know, as I don't want to say pleasant, but literally help like survival mode. Um, so that we, we helped people that week and, you know, everyone, all of our properties were occupied. So like it was a profitable week, uh, even with everything going on, but yeah, definitely, uh, one of the more, you know, hands-on stressful, you know, weeks that I've, I've ever experienced. Yeah. Did you have to refund anyone? Like, did you have anyone that was like, you know, the weather is crap. The power is out. I've seen you try and help, but this is like not the vacation that I paid for. Can I have my money back? Or was everybody pretty understanding? Yeah. So there, there was one group that actually had power. So we have uh, at this lake, we, we, we own three houses and we manage three other houses. Um, one of the houses we manage, they actually still had power. They didn't lose power. Like pretty much 95% of the lake lost power, but somehow they didn't. However, the internet tower lost power and they were just complaining off the wazoo that they couldn't stream things and i'm just like i just had to send like a very abrupt message to them like look like every single one of our properties right now doesn't have power you know like we had guests in florida who literally were staying with us because their houses like got you know were hit really hard like we're trying to help everyone as best we can but you know you have to understand the internet tower literally doesn't have power right now. Like there's nothing, there's nothing we can do about that. Like there's no power. You you have power, which is amazing. Like I'm super happy you have power, uh, but you just have to be understanding of the situation we're at. And yeah, they didn't, they didn't respond to that. So, uh, and then one guest who uh, had the tree down in the neighborhood and they couldn't come or leave, uh, gave, they asked for a refund and, and gave them uh, a day, a day refund. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's just chaos. And you never know as a host when that chaos is gonna break out, right? <laughs> Especially for you having it hit 
every single property i mean you're getting hit from literally every angle <laughs> yeah it didn't hit our colorado properties granted i actually don't manage our colorado properties um or, or i'm involved there but didn't hit those at least so almost almost <laughs> everyone <laughs> i'm so sorry but hey it's one of those things where i'm sure like going forward when you hear about a hurricane coming of course it's going to spark up some anxiety but you're like okay we've been here we've done this we know the routine so you're wiser now walking out of it yeah ne- next time i mean we'll have shutters that can actually go on the the walls i mean i'm like I'm like why can't they go what like can't just like glue them up there <laughs> like what's the <laughs> issue it's like no you have to have like physical things to screw them into and you don't and i'm like ooh, all right how much does yeah. that cost all right we got yeah. them it's beautiful yeah <laughs> and now uh anybody because people want to get into the florida market all the time keep that in mind that there is hurricanes that come through and you need to be prepped for it because everybody's like oh Florida market's so profitable (laughs) the insurance in florida is different than any other insurance market i have dealt with uh so it's not even just the hurricanes that are like the issue in florida it's it's really the the insurance which obviously the two are like related but just something to keep in mind in florida like is the insurance situation is it what over double what you pay in north carolina it's not even just the pricing. They just don't have options or like you have to use one insurer for one thing and then another insurer for another thing. And then, I mean, obviously, you know, flood insurance is like a national program. So you get that through the federal government and uh, a lot of properties on the coast of Florida, you need flood insurance uh, legally. And, uh, but like wind coverage, uh, you know, you have to get through one person and then short-term rental coverage, you have to get through another provider and each provider wants you to jump through hoops. Like, it's not just like, oh, we got you. It's like, you got to do these 75 things for us to give you insurance. And then actually our wind provider right after the hurricane said, we have to rewrite your policy and we're no longer covering liability, like wind related liability, which I don't even know what that is, but they, isn't that they the just whole dropped. thing that what insurance is for, yeah, <laughs> like, isn't that the entire purpose behind insurance and they're not going to cover it anymore? <laughs> Well, the issue in Florida is just no insurer wants to be there. It's not, not only are there storms uh, such as, you know, bad hurricanes. Florida is the most litigious. And I, I always not really sure how to say that word litigious, litigious. I don't know. <laughs> people sue other people all the time. Like uh, there's, I read a stat that's like 75% of like um, home insurance, like lawsuits are in the state of Florida in the country. Like, like 7% of the home insurance policies are in Florida. And then it's 70% of the lawsuits. So insurers just don't want to be there. It's because yeah. all the re- all the people that retired and went to Florida are pissed and they want a casual life and they're just suing each other because they're mad. They've got the time. That's what it <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I mean, there's not really down. Like I, I've been reading on this now that I'm like, you know, pretty invested in the state of Florida. And I'm like, why is this the way it is? And uh, it's also like you can sue. And if you just are fraudulently suing somebody, there isn't really like a downside to it. On a lot of places, like you sue someone wrongly, you can like get in trouble, but not in Florida. I, I don't know. I think there's like a huge industry that's lawyers who just like, if you go in Florida, you drive around, you see, you see billboards everywhere. That's like, call this lawyer for some lawsuit reason. And um, I think there's just a huge industry that's like lawyers making money off people suing, you know, insurance, suing other people. And the state government gets a lot of money from those that industry i don't know we don't need to dive too deep into that but florida not not even hurricanes but it's like the in- insurance is just wacko i must i must admit it's the wild wild west out there people oh, yeah. be all over the place Goodness. well yeah apparently if you have questions about florida 
Ask Jeremy. <laughs> you know, I don't even want to talk about Florida anymore. <laughs> I mean, right, right now it's it's the slow season, so I'll talk about Florida in February when our properties are just you know absolutely caking. Uh, but right now, you know, there this is less slow season and hurricane season, so don't don't I don't want to hear the word Florida. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Currently, <laughs> I don't blame you. I would feel the same way. <laughs> So since the last time that we interviewed you, I mean, your portfolio is growing all the time, right? Um, will you update us on where your portfolio stands right now? What markets are you in? How many properties are you managing? How many properties do you own? That sort of stuff. Yeah, so so I do a combination of, you know, buying Airbnbs. I started by managing and arbitraging. So I have the management arbitrage, uh, as well as I have a single glamping unit. So at this point, we own seven properties, uh, arbitrage, uh, four listings, manage four listings. And when I say manage, like that's like that's for other owners. So I co-host or, or manage properties uh, for an external owner on four, and then have you have the one glamping unit. So we're up to uh, sixteen, uh, I guess sixteen listings, uh, in which it's like a, it's a mix of you know all the different Airbnb strategies. Wow. And you're managing all 16 of those or no? Yeah. And actually, so my, my brother has two in Colorado uh, that I'm like very minutely involved with. So I don't even count those. And yeah, I don't manage those. And mostly it's just because like me and my brother, we just don't want to get in arguments about stuff. So we just like <laughs> let that one, let that one go to, you know, a third party. Like just it's not worth us, you know, getting angry at each other. Um, <laughs> And but, I, th uh, I think I saw you. So last time we talked to you, had two boat rentals, and I think I saw a video where now you are up to seven boat rentals. Oh yeah, yeah. So I had two boat rental operations, okay. um, of which uh, last year we ended the summer with seven boats. This year we consolidated to one lake. Uh, we still have the seven boats. So yeah, I still have the boat rental business. Uh, so yeah, sorry if I, I guess. I guess you asked Airbnb, but yeah, still, still got the seven boats going got on. Got a lot on your plate. <laughs> we, uh, we just were under contract on a multifamily here on the lake that this lake house is on. Awesome. And the multifamily comes with two pontoons. And I'm like <laughs> excited and also anxious about it because I know operationally it's going to be like a whole added layer of. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. And we're also, we're under contract on another lake house. So sorry. Uh, yes we love to see it your most expensive one yet right yeah no we're definitely leveling up uh it's scary and uh you know i see i see all the i'm i'm obviously in tune with everything you got going on and it's definitely cool stuff and i, I know you're leveling up to the the orange uh the orange house which that thing looks super sick so i'm excited for you in that yeah thank you i know it's been a lot of fun like kind of running side by side and watching each other's businesses grow because we're in such a similar era at the same time so we're rooting for you as well. <laughs> all right, Emily, do you want the next question? Yeah. So all of your purchase properties are with partners, correct? Yeah, I, I do not own a single property. Uh, the only thing, the only listing or thing I own that's like completely mine is the Airstream camper. Okay. Uh, everything else I own with with partners. Yeah, with those partners. So where do you find your partners and... Like, what type of partners do you look for? And then second part to the question is, do you think you'll shift away from partnerships going forward? Uh, yeah, so my consideration with partnerships 
uh, from the early onset was who do I think I can do more deals with? Like, I don't, I didn't really want passive investors. Uh, I at least wanted them to like help in some sense, whether it be help with, you know, leading another deal uh, somewhere else, or whether it be they came and physically helped set it up with me. So that that was the considerations uh, was like long term growth potentials, because like a lot of people have been hitting me up over time and, and, and definitely want passive investment. And we and I did have early on uh, one of the early properties had a couple just like completely passive investors and ended up buying them out just because, you know, it's kind of like incentive disalignment. Uh, so, yeah, was, that was really the consideration is and, and, and you know, each one of the partners I've done. Uh, early on, like one of our first houses had six partners, bought two of them out, and the other four I've done, you know, every other deal with has been uh, those four. That's amazing. I think that, you know, there's a lot of curiosity around partnerships, and we're kind of walking into it. So we've done the reverse where we invested ourselves solo and now are getting into that partnership game. And I mean, we had a lot of questions walking into it, and now we get asked a lot of questions as we're kind of involved in it. And so I think that. One thing that's super interesting to me is like, you know, I've talked to you about partnerships in the past. I've had several conversations and it's it's interesting that no partnership really in real estate is structured similarly. And mm-hmm. it really comes down to understanding what you're trying to get out of that partnership. And that's really your driver and like what type of partner you're looking for, how you structure it, what type of house you buy with those people. Um, and so there's like a lot of ambiguity around it that I think a lot of people struggle with because especially at the beginning, I mean, it had to be super advantageous for you to have partners around you. And like you said, you're like, I needed help, right? Like not only did I need help capital wise, but I needed help team wise. Like I needed more hands, um, to put this property together. And so like at the beginning, when people are getting involved in Airbnb, I think it's one of those things that they look at it and they're like, how do people do that? You know, how do people like, get a group together that's all on board with this thing. Um, And so for you, from what I understand, the partners that you ended up choosing were people that were friends of yours, right? Like you just reached out to people that you already knew within your warm circle and was like, you pitched the idea and everybody was like, yes, let's do it. Yeah, or uh, I started posting uh, social media probably in 2020, COVID COVID summer, about both boats and then, you know, about uh, the the properties that that I was managing. And, you know, just taking pictures from the properties or I don't know, just random posts and stuff. And I had I had people reaching out at that time. My following uh, was predominantly, you know, my my friends uh, from before I you know was an Airbnb social media person. Uh, and yeah, they were I mean, a, a, a good bit of different people were reaching out like, hey, I see what you're doing. I have money. Like, can can we partner on a property? Uh, so I, I was getting hit up by a lot of people and I still get hit up, you know, by so many people to invest in different things I'm doing. But yeah, early on the consideration, you know, I had a, a couple buddies who just reached out. We had a couple calls and I could just, they were down to like uproot, you know, and one in particular, Blake, who, you know, I partnered with on a bunch of properties. He, I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he was just very evident. He was willing to do whatever it took. Like he wanted to learn. And that was what was most important to them was like, they just wanted to be a part of it, help out and learn. Uh, it wasn't even like, oh, we need exactly Y percent return. You know, it, it was really just, we know this will be beneficial if we dive into this with you and, and learn from you. Yeah. So for you now that you're, you've gone through so many partnerships, do you think you'll keep pursuing partnerships long term? And that's kind of your scaling plan? Or do you plan to like, 
okay, now the partnerships are bringing me enough capital to like invest in my own. Now I'm going to be more particular and just like do it solo. Yeah. So early on, I was definitely very much capital constrained. Uh, I had been investing a considerable amount of my money into pontoon boats uh, from from the onset. So did not have the means of going out and buying entire properties myself. I mean, also, you know, this is March 2020. I was 23 years old. I just really didn't have a lot of money. So definitely at the beginning, not only did I need help from like a resource, physical resource standpoint, uh, like honestly, I had never flipped a home. Uh, I didn't know when like people like it's kind of funny. We bought, you know, we the first couple houses were like completely turnkey other than adding like a fire pit and an outdoor shower and then maybe like a bathroom renovation that we hired someone to do. But like, I didn't even know how to paint the walls. <laughs> like, like it was like, I didn't even know what the, like, what do you like, where do you go get paint? Like I had no clue even, even that. So like the first project that was like a pretty intensive renovation, like everybody was looking at me, you know, when we, when we, uh, we got the place and like, what are we doing? I'm just like, <laughs> like I'm going to, pardon me, I'm going to pick a project. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to figure out how to do this outside walkway. Like y'all, y'all figure something out yourselves. Like. I don't know how to paint cabinets. Like I've never done that. <laughs> um, so that being said, early on needed, you know, just needed help uh, financially and with other people. I mean, as you guys know, each one of these deals is like to really get a home run. It's a lot of work. Uh, and like, I can only personally do, you know, I, I mean, the, in the last year and a half really was bouncing property, 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 renovating, 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 furnishing, 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 getting up on Airbnb. Like each one of those times was very intensive, especially, you know, for the ones that we really transformed, uh, such as, you know, the one you got you guys helped with uh, that that first Florida property. Like that was a huge transformation. And uh, it's just like if you do if these projects are so hard, you want to own more and more of them because you can only do so many like it's hard to like do 50 Airbnbs at the same time. Like back in the day, I kind of had a dream and idea like, all right, give me, I'll raise a fund from a lot of people, raise a lot of money and I'll go out and I'll do 50 Airbnbs. That's really, really, really hard. Uh, extremely logistically hard. Um, doing one Airbnb and making sure it's like a killer property, taking a month, a month and a half, two months, you know, that's definitely doable. But when you spend a month and a half, two months on something, do you want to own 5% of it, 2% or do you want to own you know, 50 to 100%. At this point, if I'm going to do a project, there's a property I really like, I'd rather own 50 to 100% of it. You know, maybe yeah. if I do a partnership, I want one other partner, you know, uh, or maybe like a minority partner who's just going to go there, you know, I can go to Europe for the month, and they're going to go set it up. And I won't be there for that. Uh, and I'll pay them to set it up, or we'll give them equity, whatever it may be. Uh, that's kind of what I look for or think about now. Also, I mean, my five, I couldn't get a loan if I wanted to, you know, two years ago when I was 23. If I, I mean, I did reach out to banks. They told me to, I mean, they didn't tell me to F off, but effectively, that's what they said. They <laughs> laughed at me. I mean, they said like you haven't even, I mean, I, I got a credit card at like, I wasn't someone who, you know, you know, their parents got them a credit card at age two and they had 25 years of credit history by the time they turned 10. Like I got a credit card at the end of college when I realized like, oh crap, credit is like an important thing. Like I need a credit card. I got one. Of, I got the one when I was like 21, 22 was the first time I got a credit card. So when I went to the bank at 22, 23, they're just like, yeah, you have no credit history. Like you don't even have two years of credit history. <laughs> um, so, <Same. laughs> 
yeah, I didn't have the option. So I, I needed other people. I needed other people's resources, both financially, individually, uh, and also I needed their financing. So that was something I did. I like other, not like other people's money uh, is like a, a common phrase in real estate, OPM, but I needed OPF. I needed other people's financing. Uh, other people who had had jobs for two years, you know, and had great credit history and, and a bank would give them a loan um, that and, and we could, you know, work things out where, you know, obviously I bring things to the table. They're bringing that to the table and, and have partnerships that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that that's, you know, your idea now of wanting to own 50% or 100% of it, you're at that point, right? Like partnerships did serve a really specific role for you and they will in the future, but it, it definitely changes. Um, I think that like when we're looking at who we're targeting for partnerships now, it's interesting because you're watching the cycle of people's real estate investing with the people that we happen to be investing with. They're other short-term rental hosts who have like already mm -hmm. built their portfolio. And like you said, bringing these properties to life is like no small chore. It is two months of like intense work to do a big remodel and make sure all your T's are crossed, all your I's are dotted and that you're really like maximizing what you can pull out of this property. And so, you know, you see people like the people that we target or the people that are partnering with us where they've done seven to 10 properties themselves. And they're like, no, <laughs> we're not doing it anymore like we see the value but not nah, like we want to own a significant amount but we are totally fine handing over more capital so we don't have to be in the weeds with you guys and so yeah I mean I think you're it sounds like you're kind of reaching that point where you're like look I know what value I bring I know what I want to own I want you know more of one than less of one but at the end of the day like what's feasible right is it feasible to do 50 properties for other people or is it feasible to do six of my own that are making me the same amount exactly <laughs> yeah and, and i'm starting to get into because again this was you know a couple of years ago i was like wow this is so cool it'd be you know again so great raise so much money um you know maybe there'd be additional benefits like uh, uh one of the investors can stay at the property when nobody's there you know like this can create this really cool big ecosystem uh and around these different funds we can have geographic funds you know mountain funds beach house funds, you know, we, different state funds. Like that was kind of the dream I had a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, that dream has went away. Um, and what, what I like now, I mean, kind of starting to get into is, you know, really in the last year or two, like helping other people, you know, Airbnbs is are really, I would say for most people's goals, uh, which a lot of people seem to have the goal of financial freedom, being able to travel, you know, that relatively passive income, uh, I want to emphasize the word relatively passive income. Uh, you know, Airbnb is probably the best and easiest way to get that. And I can help people do that. You know, I, I know what I know what it takes personally, I know how to do it, whether it be arbitrage, co hosting, buying, you know, I've, I've done it uh, several times over at this point. So I'm starting to help other people. And instead of like the do it for you model, which is what I kind of like started with and thought of now it's like the do it with you, uh, do it, do it with you model is, is kind of what I'm going to. Yeah. You can't be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mention like credit history and stuff, because I feel like now like Airbnb and social media and all these things are like careers that people are wanting to get into. Right. So like in preparation, people can actually start building that credit so that when they are 21, 22, want to start buying a home they have already built that credit history. My parents were really adamant about like 
build your credit history young. So Mm -hmm. I think like I was in high school maybe. And my mom was like, we're going to see like once you turn 18 or whatever, I had to be like a certain age. She was like, we're getting you a Victoria's secret credit card. Cause I would always buy like my birthday presents and stuff there. And so she was like, we're just going to start building your credit from that. And then once you're responsible with that, you get a credit card that you only put your groceries and gas on. But then I had like built up enough credit by the time I needed to buy a car because I needed a car. I had enough credit built up, but like, unless you plan for that, like people are always like, I don't want to get into credit card debt, so I'm not going to get a credit card. But then you don't have any credit history and then you can't really do much. So I feel like people should start planning that process if they want to get into this as a career, which people do see this as a career now. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that credit situation because I was in the exact, I mean, I'm still in the exact same position you're talking about where you like didn't get credit for a really long time. Like I didn't have a credit card until the end of college. And then I didn't take out a student loan or I paid off my student loans in full. So I didn't have those on my credit as like open lines of credit. And I didn't buy a car. Like I, (laughs) my parents bought me a car for when I was in high school. And so all of a sudden, you know, now I'm 28 years old and I have no great credit. (laughs) Just haven't needed it. And all of a sudden I'm like, I really shot myself in the foot for the last 10 years. Like had no idea that this was going to be so relevant. And so, yeah, if you're young and listening to this, uh, go open yourself up a credit card. (laughs) Be responsible responsible with it. (laughs) Like pay off your balance every single month. Don't let it build interest. If you're responsible with it, like only buy what you would normally buy in cash anyways. But if you're responsible with it, you can, I have fantastic credit and so does my husband. And that's why we were able to like get some of the things that we've gotten because we planned ahead with credit yeah and and i would say i mean even if you just look at the equation of what your credit score is length of credit history is like i don't know 10 percent or something Mm -hmm. so even if you just get a credit card and don't do anything with it you know just that you know you'll have a longer credit history by getting a credit card earlier so Yeah. yeah i mean if you don't even spend a cent on it just purely get it for just to help, you know, that, that mathematical equation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just get one of those ones that doesn't have a yearly fee because you'll think that you'll be like, Oh, I'm not putting anything on it. So you don't pay attention to it. And then you're like, Oh shit. I, I had <laughs> this one month where I missed a payment because I had the yearly fee. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So back to your portfolio as you are kind of scaling, are you entering any new markets aside from North Carolina, Florida, and Colorado? Yeah, so um, I, I mean, I'm always looking. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm always looking at the Florida market we're already in. I mean, as you know, it is significant logistically so much easier to have more properties in less places. And that's something I've definitely learned because, I mean, we cover a lot of different markets and we have a lot of different teams, uh, which, you know, it's doable. Uh, you know, we, we built out our infrastructure to this point so it's pretty solid no matter where we are however logistically it's definitely easier to do more and less uh so i i'm continually looking at the florida market we're already in there are other markets in florida that i like but again like you know the second house we transformed was so much easier than the first house because i had all the connections with the contractors same cleaning team it was just probably half the time we needed to spend at the second house based purely because I could just, you know, already had, you know, people I could just call and get over to do the work with us. Um, so yeah, I'm continually looking at every market we're currently in. I'm I'm literally probably checking the MLS and talking to realtors weekly. Um, I've started arbitraging in a couple of markets. 
And like when I do arbitrage, A, yeah, obviously I want cash flow. Like that's hugely important to me. But also it's like, I, I like doing them in places where for me, like the eventual goal is to own the asset, to own real estate, you know, like arbitrage co-hosting is, is truly a means to an end. Uh, it's truly just a means of creating cash. You, there's no other benefit to them other than cash in your pocket. So if I'm going to do arbitrage and start a new arbitrage operation somewhere, I'm, I want to do it in a place where I, I'm considering buying because then, you know, we're creating the infrastructure in that market, uh, getting the cleaning team, getting the handymen, um, you know, going physically going there to check on things and also it gives you a lot of data. So if you're looking to buy a similar property, you have, you know, at your fingertips, the best data source you possibly could. So Yes, I am looking. I actually got sent a new market last night by one of my realtors who I, I trust. And he's like, I mean, he was just like, dude, look at this market, like a $400,000 or a house you can buy for 400,000 can pull in hundred K. And this morning I looked at it and I was like, oh damn, like I'm not seeing a hundred, but I'm seeing like 85, which is still 80, 85, like, which is still pretty solid. Um, but yeah, I'm open to new markets. Um, so short answer, mostly trying to double down in markets we're already in but also through arbitrage and also just, you know, talking to different people, uh, exploring new markets. Yes. One of these days we'll get you up here in the mitten with us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I looked at Michigan. I mean, you, I, I, I know what lake you're on. Like, like I saw, that, I, I, I've seen that, uh, I saw that motel. <laughs> well, the two motels that are right next to each other. Like I, I knew what you were talking about when you brought those up. I, I knew the ones. So yeah yeah you and a couple other people when i mentioned like i've mentioned you know subtly around that we've got that property under contract and i've had a couple of people in the airspace be like yeah i've been eyeing that one for a minute yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i see you um and same thing on the orange property it's like when i first saw the orange property i comped it and i comped it at a three three because that's what it was listed as prior to touring it and it just comped horribly right like mm -hmm. it just it was dog shit. And so then when I toured it, well, I posted it on Instagram and I was like, someone please buy this property because it just comps terribly, but I like want someone to own it. And so didn't think anything of it. And then like a week later I toured it and we ended up, we were like, oh, we're definitely moving forward on this property. Well, these owners hadn't had a single person offer on this property in over a hundred days because it's such a specific property, mm -hmm. like needs such a specific buyer. And it's so perfect for Airbnb. But then like, like a week after we got our offer accepted on it, they had somebody offer cash more than what we offered as a backup. And had we not had it already under contract, I'm like, did someone on Instagram yeah. see this and like uh, go for it? Yeah, I was like, I wonder if I'm like my own competition right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I have to be a little like at first I was just very like, I don't care. I'll say whatever, like doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't really think much is going to come from it. But now I've, I've seen like everything I talk about. I mean, even boat rentals, like there was, I was the first boat rental business on the lake. Next thing I knew there was four. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I've talked to all of them. They all watch my TikToks. They're like, oh, you show up on my TikToks. Like you're always on my feed. And like, I look at their websites and they're like the, the same website that I have. <laughs> like, like uh, and they might even probably hear this too. Uh, but uh, I, I even had an instance where like, a buddy of mine built a website for one of the other people. And I asked him, I was like, did he tell you to like use a website as reference? And he was like, oh yeah, he sent me this one. I'm like, okay, that's, yep, that's us. They're just, cop <laughs> they're just saying copy paste. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then like the number of Airbnbs and like 
both of the markets that, you know, the Florida, North Carolina one, like, I mean, have definitely went up and then, you know, people somehow call, like they somehow get my number and I can tell <laughs> that like, I'm like, first of all, how'd you get my number? You know? And then they somehow, you know, they definitely, you know, my social media, like made them look at somewhere, which is honestly kind of stupid and misguided in some senses because like the initial lake where we bought, like the numbers stopped making sense. Like they stopped making sense at all. Like they literally, they were, they went from being good to, you know, prices went up so much and supply went up. They were really bad. That's when I went to yep. Florida. That's when we shifted markets. And then Florida, same thing. Prices went up. So we went to the, you know, Blue Ridge Smokies. Um, then same thing. I mean, prices have been going up. So it's like, I mean, I, I can't say the Blue Ridge was me because that's such a big market that, I mean, you know, Smoky Mountains is so big. Not one person is going to, you know, really bid it up that much. But some of these other, the markets are, are smaller that I'm in are smaller. So I do think I had a material effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about because you don't really know, right? You, It's hard for us to like truly pinpoint the negative repercussions that us being super vocal on social media has, but it definitely impacts like you're 1000% right. It's like same thing on in the lake house up in Bitely. It was like when I first comped it and I was looking at the two competitors that were on the lake, like didn't have professional photos, didn't have yeah. professional design, weren't offering extra amenities. And they were the only two properties and now I'll get on and all of them are making like 20K more than they were last year, according to AirDNA. And they all have professional photos, all updated their interior. There's more properties that came in. And I'm like, huh, interesting. <laughs> you know? I mean, they just looked at your calendar. I mean, uh, they said, wow, this property is make, charging this amount and yeah. seems to be this booked. Like, I mean, that's what I do. <laughs> I right. mean, that's what I'm, I'm assuming others do as well. Right. Yeah. And and you make a good point, too, on how eventually it turns into not a great market that you wouldn't reinvest in. It's like we had that conversation about Gatlinburg specifically with Michael Elefante's properties that were just raking it in. I mean, he bought in 2019 and it really like his voice got really loud at the end of 2020 towards 2021. And so people were seeing the numbers that he was bringing in and then they were investing in Gatlinburg and then they were being like, we don't, we're not seeing these numbers and it's, you know, things just change. Like all of a sudden the market is more expensive. There's more saturation, all these things happen. And so at the end of the day, you're right. It's like, it is a misguided decision. If you're just listening to one influencer say that they're making great money there because you have to be able to assess a deal. Yeah, honestly, I, I'd say Michael probably, uh, which um, Michael's from my hometown and went to my high school. Uh, and uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. And we and we happen to both. I mean, like, it's just funny, like, we both bought two properties in Florida at the same time. Like, <sighs> and we bought pretty like very close areas. Uh, and it's just funny, because like, we're looking, it's like, we're looking at the data, and we're thinking about it the same way. So it's just like funny how we just like, Oh, wow, you saw what I was seeing. <laughs> and uh, Okay, like, I guess we're uh, somewhat similar, have some parallels here. Uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I, 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 you probably single handedly, like, raised gatlinburg pricing like 15 percent, like not even not like throwing no like honestly I, I if i were to like put a guess at it like you you literally single-handedly uh probably <laughs> uh appreciated that market yeah yeah that's super wild to think about also very wild that you guys went to the same high school i had no idea <laughs> yeah i think he was like five years before me or something like that but his brother uh i knew i knew his brother like his brother was a couple years older than me 
Nice. Very nice. Well, uh, speaking of being able to analyze a deal correctly, Q, switching to talk about your STR calculator that you've been pushing online. Um, mm-hmm. It's always fun to watch, too, like when uh, Bryce started talking about it on his channel and he was like, this is like single handedly the best or like most youthful thing that you can use in analyzing a deal. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so fun to watch, like, you know people be parallel in the market and help each other out. But, um, but that has been super useful. And for you, I mean, is that something that you're spending more time focusing on now as opposed to growing the portfolio or do they run kind of side by side? Yeah. Yeah. And, and talking about Bryce, first of all, I love Bryce. Uh, he's also you know someone who I you know, like you, I watch all of his, his stuff and I don't watch that many. Like I don't really watch that much social media. Uh, like just in, in honesty, like there's probably like three account, like your account, Bryce's account and two turn Tony, like might be the only people who are like, I pretty much <laughs> Watch all I the love two turn Tony. Our, yeah, he's from our neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually he I I met him. Uh, I watched the shit before, but he he was at like a, a event in Brooklyn and and I met him there, which was kind of cool. Um, not from like oh, a fanboy yeah. standpoint, just but like I don't know, like he's funny. Uh, in person yeah, and he's, online, he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah, we- I actually got arrested that day, so I don't need no need to talk about that. <laughs> That's so on brand, and why am I not surprised at all? <laughs> yeah, we don't need to get into that, but yeah, I was I was in uh I was in in cuffs and, and behind bars in Brooklyn that day. Uh, oh, Kate thanks, Tony. Yells, <laughs> Kate just yells, "Hanging out with two turn Tony." <laughs> oh, harassing! He said harassing two turn uh, Tony. The thing with him too. I mean, we kind of digress here. We're getting off of Airbnb, but yeah, while we're really talking, <laughs> the thing with two turn Tony is like one day I was like this guy's outrageous right like he's branding himself with ducks like you know who comes up with the idea and how do we get people on board with it and so I decided one day I was like okay I'm gonna deep dive like how long has this guy been doing this duck situation he's authentic I went back to his Instagram and he's literally been posting pictures with ducks since like 2015 Mm -hmm. like people think he's playing a character he's well he is to a certain extent now but like the duck thing is so accurate he really is imagine, a duck guy. I can't imagine being in high school or college and like pitching the idea of being like, I'm going to be the duck guy. Like I'm going to be yeah. duck daddy. He's cool too. <laughs> I mean, so I, I met him like he was cool. You know, wasn't like, I, I mean, I wasn't like, oh dude, I TikTok. Like I like it was, we just had a normal conversation. Uh, yeah. Was, he's a cool dude. Like he's that's authentic as well. He's not, you know, one of those like stuck up LA social media people no no shade at LA I have family from LA but I've been to LA and you know that's kind of the the, the feel I get from people that's he's a not not that way but Bryce yeah. uh, like him like Bryce is fucking hilarious like I just find his shit super funny um yeah. and you know he's he's a great storyteller uh, but I mean I've talked to Bryce and you know he wanted to be an actor uh and I just I find him so you know interesting so yeah, he texted me and he was like, yo, honestly, I love your, like, I use your calculator and love it. Like, he was like, I just want to let you know, like, I actually use it. And that's, so I'm glad that he's, you know, he's, he's legit. Like, he's not, he, he really does like it. And he's I like it too. It. <laughs> and, you know, as someone who literally is running numbers on hundreds of Airbnb properties a week, uh, who has somewhat of a tech background, I mean, I'm just like, why am I copy pasting from AirDNA, copy pasting? mortgage information like i know like air dna is online or tax information is online you know mortgage information is online 
Like all this data is online. Why am I literally copy pasting it to a spreadsheet? I just, that just seems so inefficient. Can I, you know, can we make something better? And I was talking to, and at the time I was also selling my spreadsheet, which I did have, you know, I still do. I have, I have a very good spreadsheet. Like my little brother is an investment banker. A lot of my friends in New York are investment bankers. So we did create a really, you know, I, I think like a very, very good uh, spreadsheet calculator. But uh, I was talking to one of my buddies who I studied with in school, uh, studied computer science with, and we were just like, yeah, let's take this digital or let's take this spreadsheet and let's digitize it. And uh, we think, I mean, A, it'll be something we use. B, it can be something that other people use. And yeah, it's being used the crap out of. People are using, <laughs> like, it's like the people who use it, they use it. Like AI use it. Like I, I was, I, I checked a couple of weeks ago and I was the biggest user. Uh, but but B, <laughs> like the people who, you know, I don't know, the 40% of people who are like using it, like they're running a crap load of analyses with it and like running it for a ton of different properties, sharing it. So it's been really cool to see people actually, you know, using the tool. Uh, and for me, like that was just good. Like, wow, I can, you know, create a helpful tool. All right. Maybe I try to, you know, create other ways to help people, uh, you know, a analyze deals, but B also just, you know, use leverage Airbnb, leverage short term rentals to accomplish their goals. Yeah. So one question I have about the tool is you're pulling data from AirDNA. Are you also pulling data from like Rabu, SDR Insights, things like that to kind of cross compare? So we've built a comps feature uh, that uses Mash Pfizer. So essentially, we, we look what data is available online and like how much do we have to pay for it? We do have to pay AirDNA. Like we, you can't, they don't have like a public API where you can just pull their information. So like the cost for us for doing this is considerable. Like as much as people think, you know, we should give away a free tool that took us months to build and cost us tens of thousands of dollars to build, like, and cost us thousands of dollars each month, uh, especially as more people use it, it costs us more and more. So just for, you know, the people who think that you should just give away everything for free and lose money on everything, um, mm -hmm. it, it, this, it, this, it, this, this tool took a lot to build and still takes a lot. And we're continually trying to make it better. So we build out a Mash Pfizer comp set. It's not perfect. Uh, but so essentially, if you look up a property, it gives you the AirDNA revenue estimate, and then it pulls uh, close by properties, uh, and then you know, kind of the Mash Pfizer estimates for them. It's not perfect yet. The data has needs to be cleaned and you know, ran through different APIs to have it like uh, show up correctly. But we're we're continually working to make it better. We're we're doing a defaults. Uh, a lot of feedback we've got is that people want to save their own defaults because right now we just have like average U.S. home default values for expenses, you know, people want to save their own default values. I personally want to save my own like I want to save a default value for like, four bedroom homes, two bedroom homes, one bedroom homes, uh, like, you know, commercial mortgage versus secondary home loan versus primary, you know, I just want to have different defaults. So we're, that's what we're working on now is the default feature. Uh, but also, yeah, the comp feature, and we're open minded, you know, to customer feedback, uh, to, you know, we continually want to improve it and make it better. Yeah, 100%. And really what you're giving people, I mean, one, totally on the same boat with you on like people who want it for free, they just don't understand what goes into it, right? Um, seems outrageous. Like if, <laughs> if AirDNA was free, no, it's just not a thing. But um, AirDNA is $7,000 a year if you 
if you if you pay for you know a full year up front otherwise 10 but i still recommend getting AirDNA. AirDNA is great for markets we're really a tool for like property analysis you know like yeah you want to run the numbers on a specific property is, is really where you know we kind of fall in line like we're more we're akin to like an excel spreadsheet like a better version than an excel we're not we're not air dna we we leverage air dna right right and what you're doing is you're saving people time right Absolutely. like at the end of the day anyone who has gone through the process of hunting down an airbnb deal you know how many excel files you create to find a property that you think is the best option for you to invest in and so not having to copy paste copy paste for us who have done it copy paste we know how much time we spend doing it so at the end of the day it's like it's just like any other business it's convenience right it's convenience mm -hmm. saving time making it more streamlined and the market definitely needed it <laughs> it's yeah and it's just like it's on my phone like i can be lying in bed like excel on your phone is like practically don't do it like there it, it, you might like it is the worst user experience to be like scrolling around to find a box to like double click it to create an equation like it, you just can't do it this i literally like I'm, I'm on a run and i see a property i like i'm like oh quick i literally quickly within 15 seconds can get like a pretty good analysis of how like how well it will perform and you know what the profit could be yeah how i have one more question about this before we shift gears again but mm -hmm. how um like for example for us in michigan with air dna or with data in general it's it's different analyzing it than any other market that we've analyzed just because there's so little data yeah <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. no one that's competing like there is in nashville or scottsdale or gatlinburg or wherever else and so for us it's like you know it really just requires us to get into the nitty gritty and like look at individual comps as opposed to like a general pull from an air dna um is there anything that kind of caters to that within this app or is it really just taking the raw data and you have to know your market and understand what those numbers are telling you yeah i mean going into and this is something i mean people i think are like is air dna accurate you know um like how are they throughout how accurate is your tool well we leverage air dna's revenue estimate or AirDNA's rentalizer tool. So the real question is how accurate is AirDNA's rentalizer tool? Well, first of all, you need to think about where does AirDNA get this number from? Uh, how do they calculate you know, what the average daily rate and occupancy percentage is gonna be? What they do is they draw a radius around your property or the, the address you put in, and they look at the calendars of these competitor uh, comparison properties. If there aren't a lot of comparison properties, then the data is not going to be that good. If the and the way they determine what a comparable property is is they look at the bedrooms, bathrooms, and sleep count. Uh, they don't look at you know does one have a pool whereas the other one doesn't have a pool. They don't look at does one have incredible mountain views whereas the other one looks you know looks at a wall. Uh, they don't look at what's lakefront versus what's not on the lake. Uh, they purely are looking at bedrooms, bathrooms, and sleep counts. So what you need to do is you need to literally go on Airbnb and find the comps that they're pulling from. I mean, you could pay for AirDNA and AirDNA will show you the comps they're pulling from, or you could just go to Airbnb and just literally look around where you're buying, find other properties with similar bedrooms, bathrooms, sleep counts. If the other properties are freaking Taj Mahals, you know, with like, you know, the, the highest end finishings and best photos and best amenities, whereas your property looks like a favela, then... It's probably not gonna, you know, it's it's an apples to orange comparison. You know, you're gonna you're not gonna do as well. Whereas if you like you said, you see the other properties, they don't have photos, 
professional photos. They don't have amenities. You know, it takes, you look at the response time of the host. It's like the host responds within one week to messages. Then it's like, all right, you know, we could probably outperform, uh, outperform our competitors. This revenue estimate is probably low. We can actually outperform them. Uh, so initially, I would say like uh, when you're buying, in many ways, it can be an advantage to not having data points because that's what keeps, you know, the professional investors out. Most of the times, professional investors aren't going to make an investment unless they have sound data to back up their investment. However, the pitfall to that is they're only investing places where there's a lot of other uh, listings already. We bought one mountain house where there was no data. There was none. Like there was, I couldn't see, you know, the, there were houses maybe on the other side of the mountains uh, that I could kind of compare us to, but really, you know, uh, you shouldn't, I sh you know, it was a 25 minute drive. You know, you, there could have been something in that town specific to the town we were in. Uh, but I just saw the property. I thought it had potential. It was an A-frame. It was unique. It had beautiful mountain views. You know, it had a clear space to add a fire pit, add a hot tub. It had a basement we could turn into a game room and bunk area. It just had every, you know, like the, the structure of it. I know this is something you look at, like the qualitative factors, not the quantitative. That is a huge part of being an investor is the qualitative component. Uh, it's not something that's like an exact science. It's just something you got to go there and use your eyes and look around and be like, oh, this, like, it smells like poop here. You know, like <laughs> it literally smells like poop. Like there's cows right next to here that are pooping. Like it smells bad. Or like you walk around the neighborhood and you're like, holy crap, this is sketchy. <laughs> like I would not tell a family to like go on walks here. You know, in Florida, that's for instance, like a lot of areas in Florida, you know, have became gentrified and are really nice. Whereas there's certain streets that just, you know, don't have that same, you know, safety feeling. So uh, yeah, we bought one without any comps, no comps, really just confidence that if we turned it into a cool experience, it would work out. AirDNA put it at like 60,000 or maybe like 57. I think my revision for 2023, because it hasn't been a full year, uh, but I would say 2023, I expect it to pull in uh, probably between nine, uh, 85 and 100,000 for something that you know we bought for 419 or 429. Yeah. Yeah. You make such a good point. I mean, and it's difficult. It, it, I mean, it is one of those things where like, if you're paying attention online to all these big places where you know people are making money, there's like two hands to it. It's like as a new investor, you like cash flow is important and you want to get into something that costs you the least amount of money that you can pull the most out of. But also a lot of people want that safety factor of like, okay, I know this is going to work. And mm -hmm. those two things don't really go, right? It's like you kind of get to choose one or the other. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think, you know, overall, when you look at the tool that you've made or AirDNA or any of the tools that you use to analyze a property, you're never going to be able to 100% take that human component out of it when looking at a property and being able to like fully assess why you think it's a good deal because not all of them are qualitative, right? Or yeah, or you just have to have like, even for arbitrage, you know, one of the first arbitrage unit I went in was had no comps like there was none i was just like this property is close to downtown uh, i actually worked with the the landlord who was a home flipper and said like can we fence in this backyard because to me i was just like i see all these properties downtown you know they don't have yards people you know they're traveling with their dogs there aren't doesn't seem to be a lot of properties in this area where like that are dog friendly uh that have you know a private space to just let them off a leash like that is my conviction like that little that 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 simple you know qualitative 
assumption, I really think is what's going to allow this property to outperform. And it's, it's been spot on uh, in that particular market, in that particular area, even though there was no comp to say, oh, wow, this, this property here has a backyard and is the same size and is just the same distance from downtown and it's doing this. There was nothing to say that. Uh, but I mean, that house, I mean, arbitrage units been cash flowing me like four grand a month, uh, which is pretty nuts. So yeah, that is nuts, but good for you. But yeah, it really does come down to that. And I think what you're really good at and what we try to be really good at as well is understanding that user experience. Like when you talk about having a fence around the backyard or some of the things that we decide to add to these properties that are like not a small fee, right? <laughs> You've got to be able yeah. to swallow a couple thousand dollars mm-hmm. to adjust a property in a way that'll be like really putting the guest first is I think what you do a good job of what we try to do a good job of is making sure that we're paying attention to like putting ourselves in our guests shoes and being like, okay, if I was paying X amount here, what would make it worth it? What would improve that experience? And if you can kind of hit it on every single corner, then all of a sudden you're in the 95th percentile. (laughs) Exactly. It's not, it's not an exact science. Like that's just, that's just the truth of the matter. And that, in my opinion, that's what allows like the reason why like Airbnb is in my opinion, kind of like the great equalizer to, to, to real estate is because like an, a big institution cannot, you know, big institutions want to buy thousands and thousands of homes, buying one and turning it into like an incredible experience where every little detail is thought through is not something that they're able to do. They don't have the bandwidth. They don't, you know, the suits can't walk around the apartment or walk around the house and like think about, oh, like someone's going to walk in and they're going to, they're going to smell like a little lavender, you know, they just don't, they can't, they don't, that's not the way of thinking. Uh, so that's why, yeah, that's, that's like one of the things that's unique to Airbnb investing is what allows the little person to win, which even us, like, you know, we're experienced at this point. We're like relatively big Airbnb investors. Like we're still little people, like in the grand scheme of things, uh, like we're not making a dent on the overall housing market as much as people in our comment section say we are. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, especially when we're buying properties that have been uh, listed for 100 days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that aren't that a family doesn't want to, there aren't full time residents who want to live there anyways. Right, right. So true. Yeah, that's I mean, we get that comment all the time. And like, especially up here in Michigan with the properties that we're typically buying aside from the orange property, they're lake houses that are literally surrounded by 100% of second homes. People's yeah. second you know, so we're like, I don't think that really applies here. But... Second homes, old houses that actually need to be fixed up and nobody wants to do the work to fix them up and all of that. And then yeah. people get mad that we're buying them. And I'm like, who else is buying this house? Yeah, no. but it's also nobody complains. Like, and I, I don't want to digress and talk, talk, talk about, you know, our comment section and everything. But <laughs> I just I'm dumbfounded. Like, you guys know how you used to be able to get a second home loan as the same interest rate as like a first home. The government literally subsidized second home loans, like to the point where they were, you know, you only have to put 10% down. You don't have to put 20% down like you, you most often have to do for an investment loan. Uh, and uh, the rate, you know, Franny and Freddie, you know, were essentially backing backing the rates. So, you know, keeping rates low by making like the, the bonds not, I mean, you can get into the minutia, but I look around Florida and literally I'm like, Here's someone who lives in New York who says they're living in Florida, bought a house to say they're living in Florida. They're not actually here. This is another house, someone from Massachusetts who's saying they're living in Florida, but they don't actually live here. They're just saying that for tax reasons. And every like that's every house is people buying second homes 
government subsidize second homes and they don't actually live there. And is that not, that is a, that, so they actually changed it. So now second homes are more akin to investment loans. And I'm like, nobody's talking about this. Like that actually is going to have a huge effect on things. Uh, you know, people are going to be less inclined to buy these second, you know, you can get 10 second homes and not live there. You know, right. at least with Airbnb, people are using the homes. Most of these second homes, like the average second home in the U.S. is used, I believe, less than I, b- I believe less than four weeks a year. Is yeah, the, less uh, crazy. You know, yeah. I had never actually heard about people doing that, like buying a home in Florida, saying they're living there. And I don't want all of the Barstool people to come at me, but Dave Portnoy is actually literally doing that right now, where he's like like, acting like I've seen his, like, he's like, oh, I'm in Florida right now. Oh, so terrible. Yeah. He has a house in Miami, I think, or somewhere, somewhere in Florida. And he literally, he has to leave New York because he has to be in Florida for a specific amount of time for tax purposes. And he did this whole thing. He was like, I'm being punished because I'm rich and I worked hard. And I was like, yeah, dude, it does kind of suck. But you're Dave Portnoy. Like, stop complaining. (laughs) You could also just pay that extra 10% of tax. That's the trade-off. But yeah, Uh, I didn't even know people did that. And it's funny that you mention it now because I literally, like I watched like all of the Barstool stuff and I saw that he was doing that. And I was like, that's so funny that like people have figured out little ways like that to like work the system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, kind of changing gears, wrapping up with one last question. Do you have a moment where like, because you're expanding your portfolio all the time and you're doing like a million different things. Do you have a moment where it's like, I've made it? this is it. This is the goal that I had. I've made it and I'm done. And I'm just going to like ride this out. Yeah. So it's like kind of funny now. So I've started like working with other people's and, and really like trying hard to help them accomplish their goals. Uh, you know, you see everybody, you know, everybody online and you know, my social has grown enough where I get eyeballs uh, like my, my Instagram in particular, like the last month or two, it just kind of went off. Uh, and I, you know, people, Oh, can I, can I buy your course? Do you have a course, 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 course. And I see people, you know, selling their $6,000 courses or 10,000 who don't even have Airbnbs. Like I know, like they were someone, you know, you, you talked about how you looked back at two turn Tony and saw that he was like authentically with the ducks for like mm-hmm. six, seven years. I mean, I see people who, you know, they were drop shipping gurus, you know, in, in January and they were stock trading gurus like a year, a year ago. And then all of a sudden they just just became Airbnb gurus and somehow just grew a 30 unit arbitrage portfolio, but, you know, actually provide no evidence to back that that's actually true and are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month from their courses, you know, and, and, you know, posting their Lamborghini, their Maseratis, their Lamborghinis, you know, these supposed houses that they may or may not own. Uh, you know, like that, that's a huge ecosystem that, that kind of we're, we're within or, or, or that's became came to light that there's like you know the guru quote unquote guru um world so um i'm kind of forget your question but my, my point was like i'm i'm actually trying like i'm spending a lot of hours like when i hop off this i have a call with one of my mentees and i'm really working with them to help whatever their goals are like everyone has different goals like i'm really giving my all like i'm i like yeah i don't have to do anything like i literally am at the point where i, I could i mean i'm going to france next month I could travel the entire year, literally like when my virtual assistants message me, like, and I got to deal with something, you know, I, I can deal with it then for the houses. But like, I don't, I don't respond to like these common get where are the restaurants, like what time is check-in? Can we check in early ordering supplies? Like, I don't do any of that anymore. I don't do the bookkeeping. I, I, don't, I don't really have the day-to-day stuff I do. So I could just go F all, you know, and just travel, you know, enjoy life. I could do that, but that's just not me. 
uh, and I don't think it'll ever be me. And so now, yeah, I'm literally devoting myself to, you know, the calculator application, like that does, you know, that is helping people. I do think 10, 20 years from now, that can be a really big thing uh, for me personally, but also like it becomes a big thing by helping more and more people. That's ultimately what leads it to being a bigger thing. And now I'm working with mentees and I'm, I'm genuinely like, I took five to begin with. And I'm like, I'm only taking five. I'm going to try to actually help them. Uh, not just like, here's my course, like F off. Like I'm not, you don't have my phone number or anything. Like they have my phone number, like anything I can do, I am there. Uh, anything, any resource I can provide, like I'm really giving it my all. And so far I've had a lot of success with the ones I've worked with. And, you know, now I'm taking more and I'm going to cap it again once I, you know, take a certain number more and really just try to make sure they're all successful and help them accomplish their goals. So yeah, now I'm getting into helping other people. Like I could theoretically go F off, but that's not me. So there, there, I don't know if there would be a point where I'm like, wow, I'm lying on the beach in Miami or, you know, that's what I was doing in January. Like I could go to the beach and lie there all day if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I helped one of my, my childhood best friend, like he's financially free through short-term rentals. Now, uh, I helped him. He's got, you know, he arbitrage, he, he manages a few, he owns a duplex. Uh, and he, you know, he's making, I don't know, almost $10,000 a month in cash flow. for him. That means surfing, you know, lying on the beach, surfing, chilling, playing tennis. Like he's playing in tennis tournaments. You know, he plays tennis for a couple hours a day. He surfs every morning. Like that's him, you know, and he's my boy. Like, I love him. Like, there's no, I'm not going to say like, you're wrong for doing that, but that's just not me. And that, I don't think that will ever be me. So no, I don't feel like I will ever have quote unquote made it. Um, you know, I, I, am a 25 year old with seven vacation houses. Like I, you know, that, that post got me 3 million views and, you know, 60,000 followers. And it sounds like a good thing, but to me, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's like, it's, you know, that it's not like I've made it because I'm, I'm this now. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense. I mean, we, I interviewed John Scholler on this podcast a few months ago and he's the frugal investor on, on social media. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, that was his thing is, I mean, he got into real estate because he was like, look, my wife got her doctorate. She got this big fancy job in Hawaii. We moved to Hawaii. She retired me and she was going to work every day and I was going to the beach every day. He's like, and literally after two weeks of going to the beach every day, he was like, I was never more depressed in my life than in those two weeks. And he's like, in those two weeks, I was just like, no, like this isn't me. This isn't feasible for the way that I want to live my life. Like, I feel like I want a bigger impact. I want to help people. I want to do so on and so forth. And so one encouraging to hear, I think that's amazing. But two, it's like, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think that like, okay, when I reach a certain amount of money, or when I reach a certain amount of houses or whatever, like, I'm just gonna chill. That may work for some people. But for a lot of other people that literally is like, a mental health death sentence. Yeah, when I'm doing (laughs) nothing, I I go crazy. Like, I can't do nothing. I have to like, be actively stimulated, just doing something. I think the next thing is like the when you're financially free, you get to choose the thing that you're passionate about that brings you joy to do it. Like you you get to do the fun thing. Even if you're not doing nothing, you're at least doing the fun thing. Like your quote unquote hobbies turn into your job where like I think that that's like the goal for some people, right? Like that's the made it moment where you're like, I I don't want to stop working. I love working. And honestly, I'm the same way. If I was doing nothing all day, I would literally go insane but you you're at a point where you get to choose the thing that makes you happy instead of having to work for that income like absolutely right right on so actually i have yeah this called my mentee in a minute um i know 
Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. We, well, that was the last question. We went yeah. seven minutes uh-huh. already. So, well, thank you so much for joining us again on here. For those of you who are listening who do not follow Jeremy on socials or might want to use his calculator that he developed, where can they find you? At Jeremy Worden, uh, BNB Calc is the calculator, bnbcalc.com. And then, yeah, at Jeremy Worden, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Beautiful. Well, I will link everything below so you guys can find everything really easily. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time to come on. Thank you for having me. We will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Ciao.